Welcome to another episode of our podcast, The Grief Brief. We're Dallas and Sam, and both of our moms are dead. Grief is a weird and complicated emotion, and there aren't that many spaces to talk honestly about it, so we decided to make a podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the 10 things that we wish we knew about losing a parent at a young age. We're here to laugh with you, cry with you, and listen to you as we all try to navigate life while experiencing grief. Before we get started on today's topic, we wanted to put out a little disclaimer. We understand that a lot of the topics and issues that we will be discussing today and in other episodes might be sensitive or uncomfortable for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. In addition, you can find resources on mental illness, substance abuse, suicidal thoughts, and the related hotlines that you can call on our Instagram account at The Grief Brief. All right, so we came up with a list that is in no particular order of some of the things that we think would be really helpful for someone to know when losing a parent at a young age. Um, And again, you know, just a reminder of everything that we talk about. These are just personal experiences and they don't necessarily have to relate to everybody, but these are just things that we felt were important for us. These are things that we wish we knew about losing a parent when we were in a young age. Yeah, so obviously uh, grief and death and stuff are like really taboo topics, especially when you're younger and you don't have that much exposure and experience with it. You don't know what to expect when it actually happens. And because it's so taboo and weird to talk about, nobody tells you, uh, like, as you're about to lose your parent, like, hey, this is is all the stuff that you're going to experience and these are the emotions that you're going to feel. They just kind of, they milk it and they're like, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And then cliche one, cliche two. Cliche I was going to say, yeah, that's when you <laughs> kind of refer back to the other episode that we made of some of the cliches that are definitely common in losing a parent or lo- losing a loved one in general. So let's get into this this first one. So we're going to kind of go backwards here. We're going to start from 10 and work our way to one. Um, so 10, you might always be the person with the dead relative and that's okay. So for us, we're always going to be the girl with a dead mom. And always you know what? That's okay. You own it. You learn how to own it. It is what it is, man. Like, I don't know what else to say about it other than it is what it is. And you can try to fight it all you want and try to hide that part of you as best as you want. But for the most part, that's how people are going to associate you and remember you. That's like a memorable thing about you that most people under 25 don't have the experience experience yeah so that's I don't know like I tried to hide I don't know about you I tried to hide from that in college so hard like I just didn't tell anybody found out that Josh Josh knew that my mom was dead before that before I had ever actually been formally introduced to him so that's awkward (laughs) yeah yeah. so it's just it is what it is and it's okay it's 
not something people are really going to understand and people probably aren't going to understand how damaging that label is or how upsetting that label is. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's just something you got to have to breathe through. (laughs) Deep breath. Yeah. And, and for me, it's also like, you don't always have to tell everyone too. For me, it kind of, if, if I just meet you and I somehow come onto the conversation that, you know, yeah, my mom passed away. Like that means that I trust you. That means that I'm kind of giving you a piece of me that I'm opening myself up to you. And that comes with a lot of trust. And, but it's also okay to not kind of be an open book about it either. If it's something you're not comfortable talking about or that you're not comfortable, you know, people knowing right away, you don't, you don't have to share that either. Yeah. I think I'm like a little bit of the opposite sometimes. I think it depends on the person and the question. So like if somebody asks you like, Uh Oh, what does your mom do? I would be like, I would say something super evasive. Like she was an accountant. (laughs) Um, And if they ask follow-up questions, eventually they'll pry the fact that she's dead out of me. But if they don't ask those Mm. follow-up questions, I don't volunteer that information. But sometimes it happens and people find out. And, you know, I think you could probably find out that my mom's dead by searching my name. You'll find her obituary on Google. You'll find out. Like, I'm not private about it on, on Facebook or Instagram. Right, right. So if you do a little bit of research into me, you will find out eventually that my mom is dead. And it's okay. It's okay to be the person whose mom died. It's okay to be mm-hmm. the girl whose mom's dead. You know, it's not a reflection on who you are as a person or where you are in your grief or how well or not well that you're handling it. It just, it is what it is. Yeah. And that comes with a lot of practice too, but you know, coming from people that have, you know, over eight years of experience in this, it, it is what it is at this point. I'm going to put that on my resume. 11 years of experience with grief. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more if you count our grandparents. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> like 20 years of experience with grief. <laughs> <laughs> I got you beat. My grandma died, or my grandma died before I was born. Ah. Damn. You <laughs> were kidding. a grief pro from the womb. Womb from, to two. Yeah. Oh my God. No. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> all right let's move on to the next one <laughs> all right number nine life after your loss is going to be the new normal it's not ever going to go back to the way it was before you're always going to be living in this new world i guess you will feel things a lot differently in this new normal you will feel very deep sorrow you will feel very deep and pure joy you'll feel things very differently than you did before you lost your loved one everything's going to be different. And the most important part of moving forward, I guess, is to try to work toward accepting that new normal and getting used to that new normal. Yeah. And I think that comes with some openness and willingness. Being open and willing is, you know, it's a little difficult to get to that point, but I think that comes with acceptance is is learning to live this new life and being open to learn how to do things differently and how to kind of pick yourself up and keep going so yeah it's it's adjusting to your new life your new everyday kind of emotions that come up for you too yeah Yeah, and that that like everything else takes time and I think that's important to know also is that all of this all the things that we're talking about it's all going to take time it's not going to be like right away but you know you will adjust and even like we were just saying 11 eight years later 
these are things that we still are are adjusting to because there's constantly new things coming up that we're like, oh, didn't think of this. Didn't yeah. think I had to prepare for this one. But, you know, it, it, it takes time. And it's also kind of revolving back to being open and willing is these things are going to happen because that's part of life. Yeah, unfortunately, the world moves on. The earth keeps spinning, hopefully. And the next step after you experience that loss is to just figure out how to adjust to the new normal and to your new Mm -hmm. life. Yep, absolutely. All right, number eight, you will never be fully prepared for the loss. And I swear that is that is the truth of it. That is honestly the most true thing that you could say about wishing someone had prepared me for this before my mom died or like after my mom died. You, you can think and think and think and prepare as much as you can to cope with her actually not being here or what life might be like. But, you know, before the incident happens or before, before the loss, it's, it's just a thought and it's not reality yet. And then you know, then it happens and you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. Now that thought is real. And it's, it's uh, like, you've, you've, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to cope with it. You don't know, like, I don't know. You're never fully prepared for it, no matter what you do. Yeah. I realized that, you know, saying that you'll never fully be prepared for a loss and then having a whole podcast about grief and how to (laughs) prepare for a loss is like really stupid, but you can take everything that we say and you can really like sit with it and absorb it and really try to like learn and internalize all of it. But when the time comes and you actually face that loss, unfortunately, it will be like nothing you've ever felt before. Like I know when I lost my mom, there was, I mean, granted, I wasn't like this like really crazy state of denial for like oh my god I think until the burial like it wasn't until Mm. uh the casket was being lowered into the ground that I really really realized what was happening and I think then I lost it like I lost it and yeah I kind of have a very very similar experience as well Yeah, Yeah. so you can have everybody tell you exactly what's going to happen, even if they can predict it to a T, like this, this, and this is going to happen to you in the next 10 years. Yeah. It's very hard to prepare for that feeling and that emotion that comes up when you lose someone. It's a a really different, like I I still to this day have never felt anything like that. I I don't want to ever feel anything like that ever again which sucks because I know death is inevitable and I'm going to feel it again at least once, but it's a, it's a feeling that you can't really put into words and because you can't really put it into words, you can't. How how do you prepare, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how you're going to feel when your mom dies. I can't tell you how you're going to feel when whoever dies. Um, I can only tell you how I felt when it happened to me. And sometimes I, I still can't even put it into words. I don't even yeah. know what else to say other than I felt like the rug had been ripped out from underneath my feet. And I felt like I was like hit by a freight train all at the same time and that I was just dying. That's what it felt like. But I, I like, what does that even mean? Right? Like, yeah. So you'll, you won't be prepared and it's okay <laughs> It's okay to, even if you do do all the research and try to figure out how exactly you're going to feel and what grief is like, and you still feel like you're caught off guard, that is okay. That is so okay because it is such a different experience for everybody and it's so unique to the person. So, And even for some people, like I know for me, I had at least a a two week kind of mental preparation, like, all right, this might not be getting any better. And for some people, like their parents can be 
gone in an instant. Like some, some people experience accidents that their parents weren't sick and they couldn't really mentally prepare for. So in, in those events, I'm sure it's even more difficult to kind of, I don't want to say, I, I shouldn't say it's more difficult, but I, I should say that um, it's just a completely different experience in grief. Yeah, I can see how it would be a little bit more difficult to wrap your head around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not the experience in itself. I think every experience with death is super unique, whether you see it coming or not. Yeah. Because I think they both have... Not, not that there are any pros and cons to death, generally speaking, but they each have like there's pros and cons. Pros and cons. Positives, negatives. I don't know. Is there a different way to say that? I don't think there is. I can't figure it out. But yeah, they all have their. They each have their pros and cons. Like sometimes I wish. So I found out the Thursday before my mom died. So I had six days before she passed away. She she died on the next Wednesday. So I didn't even have a full week from when I knew she, when I knew she was actually going to die to when she actually died. And sometimes I wish I had more times, but other times I'm like, you know, like I have a lot of these like really beautiful memories with her from the time, you know, that she came off of her treatment in August to the time that she had to go back to the hospital because her organs were shutting down. And I, I think things would have been a lot different if I had known that she was going to die. I don't know how I would have reacted I don't know what I would have done. So like those pros and cons to every, as fucked up as that sounds, there's pros and cons to each. So it's it's not to say one's more difficult than the other, but I can see how like it would be a lot more difficult to come to terms with what happened if it was sudden versus if it was like as a result of a sickness or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So number seven, I don't know how to paraphrase this necessarily. I guess the only thing I can think to say of is the the loss is never really over. Like that feeling of loss doesn't, isn't just one and done the day that you lose that person. That feeling of loss can come up in subsequent losses, especially when you, when you lose another, if you lost a family member first and then you lose another family member Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, those feelings that you feel in that initial loss may, you know, start to bubble up to the surface Mm -hmm. in that subsequent loss. Yeah. And I can even speaking from my own personal experience i've it's unfortunate but you know there there are many of us out there there are other people out there that have lost a parent at a young age and every time i i hear of or see that someone lost a parent it honestly really puts me right back into it and i it's almost like i i physically take on what i think the other people are experiencing so i think it was maybe last year i had heard of someone's mom passing away and I literally had taken on so much of the emotion I literally had to leave work early that day because I just put myself right back where I was I put myself right back to what this person may have been feeling and it was it was awful it was like I was reliving it re-experiencing my loss but like at the age that I was at then yeah. as opposed to at 18 when I had first experienced it. So it, it, it's totally, you know, that happens. It's, it's okay to kind of feel that and relate it to yourself. Yeah. And you know what, when I was thinking about this particular point, I was mostly thinking of like, for us personally, we mm-hmm. lost my mother, your mother, another aunt, and then our grandmother two years ago. 
Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even think about that. But looking back now, all the times that I had heard after my mom had passed away that somebody else's mom had passed away, I did react very strongly to that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I found out about other people's other people losing their mothers, and I was in a dark place by myself. So I mm -hmm. just like pushed and reverted and was like, nope, nope, not feeling this, nope. Mm -hmm. um, so I reacted by kind of just turning into myself and just like not mm -hmm. even turning uh, it off. Yeah. Pushing and it I'm like, I don't want to talk to this person, like as fucked up as that is. Like, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to relate. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to touch that. And looking back on that now, that's, that feels terrible, right? Because now I feel like I, you know, it's been 11 years, but I feel like I'm in such a different place with my grief that I, I like seek these people out and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god your mom's dead cool so is mine um i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> let's that's be not, friends it's not cool um but you know if you need me please reach out like because like i just i'm like now i'm like i really think i could have benefited from somebody being like hey my mom mm -hmm. died too like text me if you need me and i think people did but i just wasn't ready for it and i you wasn't receptive to it, to yeah it. and that's okay yeah and that's that yes that is that is okay i personally i think that if somebody reaches out even if you're not open to it in that moment, you should always keep them in the back of your mind in those like really dark times where you're like, fuck, I really need somebody to talk to. Um, I, I like that you said that because from honestly, from the beginning of my grief, I was always the person to reach out to someone and say, hey, I just went through this. I'm going through this. If you ever need someone to talk to, please like feel free to come talk to me. And I would always, always, even to this day, I always question like, ooh, should I do this or not? Like, should I reach out? Should I offer my support? Like, what if they think I'm bothering them? Mm -hmm. And obviously that comes with my own anxieties. But yeah. but I like that you kind of brought that point up because for someone on who might be on like my side of things of always wanting to kind of reach out and say, hey, if you need something, let me know. Or like, Hey, I've, I've uh, been around the block a few times. Let me know. Let me know if you want to hop in and go for a ride. I'll I tell you too, where we're going. I too have lost my mother. Yeah. Um, hop on board. <laughs> because I put my, like, like you said, I, I wish I, obviously I had you and I had our family, but I, at times I think I did need someone to kind of reach out that wasn't really part of my family mm -hmm. to say, Hey, what the fuck's going on? What do you need? let's yeah. go for a ride like you know so yeah that's super important and that I guess like kind of circling back to like our third episode I think where like what you can do for your friends mm. and like I will die on this hill just reach out to them just reach the fuck out like it takes you two seconds send them a fucking text message if they don't answer you don't don't keep texting them like read the room but at least send out that first message because that opens the door at least and if they don't text you right then and there it at least like it's like all right well I have you know in my little repertoire of support I have this one person who reached out to me and said if you need anything let me know mm -hmm. and you know that could make a world of difference for someone but yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I reverted it into myself when I found out that other people's moms had died and I just, I didn't want to know anything about it. I didn't want to help. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to go back to that because I think I would have done, I think I knew intuitively that I would do what you just said and that I would be back in that place again and I didn't want to go back there. Yeah. Um, and I think more specifically, I experienced that with the death, like, of your mom, like, mm -hmm. a year and a half later, and then right. 
when Aunt Joan died, it was and like, then not even yeah. a year later. Uh, yeah, thankful. I don't want to say thankfully, but like thankfully with Aunt Joan, it wasn't exactly like almost exactly the same as my mom's because like my mom, mm-hmm. your mom, and Nanny all had this went to the same fucking church for like the the service and so like oh that's I, true that's what you're saying I was yes. like where are we going with this I'm following I'm following <laughs> they they were all they all had their funeral services like all oh god yeah and it just like, like every time it just put you right back there like at I Nanny, did this I did this already at Nanny's like I damn near fucking lost it I was like shaking in the car because the day the whole fucking day the only thing that was different was it was a different funeral parlor, but the whole day otherwise was the exact same as my mom's. Like we went to the same church for the funeral perce- for the funeral service, and then we went to the same fucking cemetery a hundred feet away for the bury or mausoleum presentation, whatever the fuck it is for mausoleums. It uh, was the same. It was exactly the same. No, but it was it was the same funeral home too. No, not for my mom. My mom was in Brandon. Oh, not for your yeah. mom. Okay. For your mom it was, yeah. Yes. So that death, like, I felt crazy. I felt crazy sitting in the mausoleum, like, shaking, like, sobbing uncontrollably. So mm-hmm. I was like, love you, nanny. But this bitch was, like, 96 years old. Like, she lived yeah. this, like, long, beautiful life. Like, yes, it's sad, but, like, shit, there's nobody on this earth who wants to meet Jesus Christ more than our nanny. So like, she's like, she's probably been looking forward to this moment for the past like 20 years. Like, like as fucked up and morbid oh as that is. God. Like, I'm like, why am I shaking? Why am I sobbing? And like, well, you were placed right back. Into I was, I the, was having yeah. like a PTSD, like fucking flashback of like being 17 again and watching my mom get lowered into the ground. So yeah. So you really got a way of putting visuals in my head. <laughs> Thanks. I was an English major. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so well, yeah. on topic, on topic, that yeah. moves us to our next one here. <laughs> <laughs> and number six is it's okay to question your religion and your spirituality. So we kind of touched a little bit on it, but to kind of go into that a little bit more. Growing up, I was baptized. I had my first Holy Communion, made my confirmation. I don't know if my mom was like super religious, but she definitely was spiritual. And that's kind of where I picked up on the spiritual piece. And I think after my mom died, a lot of questioning towards my, I don't know, I don't even know when I started to really question my religion, but I I was, I guess in my teenage years, which is still typical for a Mm -hmm. teenager to kind of question their spirituality. Like, is God real? Is, what is this? Like, where did we come from? How did, how did we all get here? You know, like, are we human or are we it's a real turn of events where you could like really let your mind go (laughs) but I think as like as a teenager those are all like real thoughts that teenagers have and then to kind of throw in losing your mom in there it's like well why would God ever allow this to happen why would God make me lose my mom why would God make the world have these crazy things happen to people why do people go through these things And I think that's where a lot of my questioning of my religion turned into me being more of a spiritual human. Mm -hmm. And through college and grad school and even to my current, you know, 20-something years, I've really just started to become very interested in energies and feeling, how my body is feeling and reading how I feel in a certain environment and who I'm around. Yeah. If I feel good around a, 
around people, I know that there's good energy and I feel the good energy. Isn't it crazy that you can physically feel in your body when you feel unsafe, when you feel uneasy, when you feel like you're not supposed to be somewhere, you can feel it in your body. And that's what I started to trust. And I start to feel that and believe that within myself. So for me, I don't know if I necessarily believe that there's a heaven or a hell and there's this afterlife and I don't know, like, I don't know, are we reincarnated? I don't know. I don't know what the hell happens. But for me, I like to believe that our our whole physical body is made out of energy. Every single atom in our body is made out of energy. And when our physical body dies and there's the physical part of it kind of our, our energy goes somewhere else because there's no more life left in this body. So our, I feel my energy, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go, but we're this ball of energy and it's a ball of light and it's, it's like you a can new feel tiger. it. Sometimes I toy with the idea of reincarnation because like that's what makes me feel better. Like my mom loved elephants. So I'm like, she's this like big majestic elephant in Africa somewhere just grazing and living her best life and <laughs> loving the heat and being an elephant and stuff okay but yeah I think (laughs) before I go off on a tangent on reincarnation I think it's important to note that sometimes different people find comfort in a lot of different things whether that be spirituality or religion I know people who have experienced loss who turned to religion yes that was their source of comfort and I know people who turned away from religion and that was their source of comfort right whatever their belief they turned to was their source of comfort when my mom died, I really like questioned all of that and all the stuff that I had learned. And I was like, you know, I made the right decision. Like this was a good choice. I should not have gone back into the Catholic church. There's nothing for me here. I don't feel comfort here in this environment. I don't feel comfort in, you know, the teachings or anything like that. I recently have been like doing a little bit more research into how like different cultures view death and how and like what their kind of ideology surrounding death is. And it's been super interesting. I was say, that sounds interesting. It's so interesting. They're like all these different cultures view death in such different ways. Like a lot of these cultures have like really beautiful ideas of what oh, absolutely people yeah. die. And I think I have found more comfort in looking into what other cultures believe versus what, you know, the church tells me happened. Heck yeah. After somebody dies. I remember taking western religions in in uh, undergrad and i was just like some of these religions are so beautiful yeah like the islam religion i i was like this religion is so beautiful long story short it's okay you do whatever makes you comfortable it's a shitty thing and it's gonna be a shitty thing for the rest of your life so just do what makes you comfortable number five which is something i think we have touched on a lot grief is really <laughs> fucking awkward and it's going to be awkward forever you know why because nobody tells you what it's what it looks like or what it is or what the experience of death is like or how to talk to somebody who's experienced death nobody tells you how to do that so mm-hmm. ergo it is super awkward and i don't know about you i relish in the awkward tension that is created when i tell somebody that my mom is dead I love it. I make jokes. I make people uncomfortable. I love it. So there's a difference between you and I, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I don't love. That's something I don't thrive in. I I experience that very differently. (laughs) I will say. It's all good. It's all good. 
that was like a over exaggeration. I do get uncomfortable in the interest of full disclosure. I do get very uncomfortable sometimes. It depends on the crowd. If somebody's being a dick and like making your mom jokes or stuff, then I relish in it. I love it. I'm like, fuck you, my mom's dead. What are you gonna say now? So I don't have fun with it. I get very defensive. I'm like, you can't make those jokes. You never know who's around you. Like you never know what people experience. So I get very like, I guess I could turn into a Karen. <laughs> Like, don't you dare make a dead mom joke. You're hurting my feelings. (laughs) What about me? I'm like, you're going to make me uncomfortable? Because first of all, it's 2020 and there's no reason for your mom jokes anymore. Well, I work with a bunch of teenagers, so Uh, teenagers find dumb shit funny. Teenagers are dumb. Sorry to any teenagers listening. I doubt there are any teenagers listening, but sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like of the mindset, like, if you are going to say something that's like kind of intended to make me uncomfortable in the first place like your mom jokes like they're meant to be as an insult generally speaking to your mother so um if you're gonna say something that's meant to make me uncomfortable or defensive or something like that then I'm gonna make you uncomfortable right back and (laughs) I had this problem with my roommate in law school he would always get so pissed I think I talked about this one of our previous episodes he would always get so angry because he would it was just kind of his default to make your mom jokes. And like, that was fine. Cause that was a thing in our apartment. Like we all did it to each other, but every time he did it to me, I'd be like, jokes on you. My mom's dead. But he'd be like, why do you have to kill the mood? Why do you have to go there? Well, why do you got to talk about my yeah. dead mom? Well, yeah. Why you got to talk shit about the dead? Come on. I hope she comes back and haunts you while you're sleeping. You are brutal. Come see, come saw. Say la vie. All right. Let's get into this next one. Number four. So I think it is fair to say at least for yours and in my my experience that those of us that have lost a parent kind of share this unspeakable bond i think before when we even said you know we we're like when you when you find out that someone their their parent died too you're like oh my god your your parent died too and it's not necessarily the excitement it's not necessarily like that connection and and like fun obviously it's not fun but it's not like oh yeah dead mom's club it's not like that it's and that's just our way of using humor humor as a coping skill but the underlying kind of connection that's there is oh you understand the hurt that I have you understand you've been there you feel that and I know that you can relate to me Um, yeah it's not like I'm so happy that your mom is dead it's like (laughs) I'm so happy that I have somebody to relate to and I actually ran into this I downloaded Bumble BFF to make friends in the city because I got sick of hanging out with my fiance all the time jokes on me because we were about to enter into pandemic when I would literally only be able to hang out with my fiance all the time (laughs) (laughs) ironic I joined Bumble BFF because I wanted to make a friend and I met this girl and we went out, we got um, tacos and margaritas and we were waiting for our table. I had a couple margaritas and um, we go to sit down. I don't know how we got started on this topic, but somehow it got brought up, you know, that her father had died. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. My mom died too. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I blame it on the margaritas, but I don't know if completely dead ass sober I would have had a different reaction um (laughs) and like I was like I like had to you know step back and like be like no no like it's not awesome that your your dad died like I'm I'm really sorry to hear that I'm just like my mom died too it's not every day I meet somebody around my age who lost their parent and 
you know, we, she's one of the very few people that I have met and kind of just like formed this like really instant connection with. And Mm -hmm. I still talk to her all the time. We go get our nails done together all the time. Um, Like she's like a really great friend to have because of that like really fucked up sense of camaraderie that we have. Like we make Mm -hmm. dead parent jokes to each other. We talk about all of the things that people say to us that we think are ridiculous because of our experience. And it's just nice to have that common ground with people, like as messed up as it is to have that as a common ground with anybody to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, I also joined through, there's this organization called the dinner party um, for anybody who is listening and has experienced grief. I 100 million thousand percent recommend this organization. They're amazing. They're called the dinner party. It's volunteer run peer support groups and the table or they call them tables. It's just like a group. Um, the table that I'm at is for people who lost a parent and I've only met with them twice. And I like immediately felt this like really deep connection with all of them. And it was so beautiful to have that community of people that understands you to a degree, um, that you can say things in a judgment free so too, because I feel like I don't have that all the time. I feel like I'm very often walking on eggshells around other people when I'm talking mm-hmm. about my grief and my experience, but having this group of people is so awesome. And I definitely recommend them to anybody who is looking for a little peer network of people who have experienced something similar to you. They have a bunch of different tables. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's uh, really important to put out there and, and normalizing and encouraging different support groups and ways of support so um uh, that's awesome I'm happy that you found something like that for you yeah it's dope I love them (laughs) they're great they're really great all right number Number three three. go ahead there is no such thing and I will punch anybody in the face who says otherwise there's you are so aggressive no I'm aggressive I feel very strongly (laughs) about this one because I have like This has been like the number one thing that people have tried Mm -hmm. to shove down my throat for the past 11 years um, as a way to invalidate my experience and my grief. Mm -hmm. There is no fucking timeline for this. Punch anybody who tells you otherwise. I don't condone violence. Maybe give them a stern talking to if that's your thing. But there is no timeline for this. There is no timeline. You will probably be grieving forever and that really fucking sucks, but there is no timeline, and don't let mm-hmm. anybody tell you that you 10, 20, 30, 40 years past that loss that you're not allowed to grieve anymore, and I'm sorry if I'm a little aggressive about this. I feel very strongly about this because I struggled with this for over 10 years, kicking myself for still feeling upset, asking myself why I was still feeling this way, mm. trying so hard to repress everything I was feeling because I didn't think that it was valid because it had been so long. There is no timeline. Grieve whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and and I think that's that kind of brings us to, I know we've talked about um, the different stages of grief, but it goes to show that grief is, is not a cycle. It's not a circle. It's not one thing leads to the next one and you're going to repeat that or, yeah. you know, you get through the cycle once and you're, you're good, you're done, you're cured. <laughs> Grief it's is like gone. A, it's a scribble. Grief is a it's, scribble. It's literally <laughs> like if you go to Six Flags and you go on King Dakar, like <laughs> you're just fucking 
twist well, like, and turn and get off. But you can't get off, right? You're but, stuck on King the Cobra. And, and the the track constantly changes. Sometimes it goes backwards too. So <laughs> yes, like ooh, the beginning, like when you shoot right up and you're like, ooh, I'm feeling good, feeling good, feeling good. Nope, just kidding. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. kidding. It's like you said. It's not a circular thing. It's not a line. It's not a circle. It's not even a star. It is literally just scribbles on a page that make no fucking sense. And you will go Mm -hmm. from depression to acceptance to bargaining to whatever the other one is. Denial. Denial. Yes, that one. Uh, Anger. Anger. You'll go all over the place and you will switch between two of them probably for two years like I did. Like I switched between anger and depression and anger and depression and anger and depression for about three, four years. (laughs) Depends on the person. You could also be in acceptance for freaking 10 years and 10 years later you're like, well, fuck, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm depressed now. (laughs) Yeah, it's... That could happen. I think that the five stages of grief are like a helpful sort of very general outline of what you might feel while you're grieving but that Mm -hmm. list is by no means one exclusive and two supposed to be like a a timeline I guess of what you're supposed to feel in what order because it's not that's not how it happens Uh, trust me I have 11 years of experience that's not how it works right right all right now on to number two sometimes all you can do is what works for you and there's really no right or wrong in how you cope with that and there's no right or wrong in how you go about that sometimes you just have to do what works for you and in what's going to get you through it what's going to make you feel okay what's going to make you feel what's going to make you survive what you're going through Mm -hmm. so it's okay to do some trial and error and figuring out what works best for you. There's there's a thing in therapy. It's not, it's not a thing. There's <laughs> a line in, 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 in DBT therapy that sometimes you just have to do what works. And sometimes doing what works might seem weird. It might seem silly. It might not make sense. But in, in the moment, if that's what's making you feel better, then who the fuck cares? Do what works for you. Do what's going to make you get through it. And let go of that fear of judgment, let go of that fear of not, I mean, it could be judgment from other people, but also letting go of the judgment that you might have towards yourself. Like, yes. oh, this is so stupid. Why am I doing this? Or why do I feel this way? Or maybe you like to watch like, I'm going to wrap myself here, wrap myself out here. But sometimes I just like to put Disney movies on because it's, it's comforting to me. And that makes me feel good when I'm feeling <laughs> depressed. And that's what works. And it could be very easy for me to judge, have a judgment towards myself of what the fuck? I'm a 26, almost 27 year old woman. And I'm sitting here watching Mulan at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. Like, like <laughs> let that go. Let go of the judgment. That's what's working for me. Then that's what's going to work. And it's all good. Yeah. No judgment coming from here because when I feel like I'm this may seem counterintuitive, but when I feel like I'm super down and like super in a mommy mood, I guess you could say. I mommy watch, mood. I watch Coco, which is literally a movie about oh, death. I watched that this weekend. I love it. It makes me cry, but it's like, it, it goes back to what I was saying before about like different cultures and how they view death. I love 
Mm-hmm. The idea of Dia de los Muertos. I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. I think it's so beautiful. Like just having, yeah. you know, passing on, having a day where you just pass on stories of your deceased loved ones. I love that so much. And like, I, because of that movie started making like a, a, a photo album of all the pictures or the pictures that I can find of my mom, um, whether it's with me, with the family, whatever, but I've been putting together a photo album to show my kids like when I when I get to that point where I'm ready to have kids because I want them to hear stories about my mom I want them to know who my mom was and I want them to be able to take these stories and pass them down to their kids if they feel like doing that I don't I don't really know if they would but yeah (laughs) like I like the whole idea of keeping somebody alive through stories and through sharing your memories with them but yeah circling back to the point you know it's really important to just find out what works for you and to just kind of stick with that. If it works for you, it works for you. If it makes you feel better, it makes you feel better. Now Mm -hmm. that's not to say you should resort to like super unhealthy habits, like drug use, stuff like that. Cause that's, that's a quick fix for something that's, that's a long-term issue. And you're not, you're right. We should have clarified that to begin with, because here (laughs) I am talking about watching Mulan, like, like that's such a bad thing. (laughs) <laughs> no, look, like, we're not going to sit here and tell you what is the right way and what is the wrong way to grieve. I would be lying to you, and it would be totally disingenuous of me to tell you that I have never resorted to alcohol or any kind of risky behavior as a way to try to cope with my grief. But what I can tell you is, again, it's a quick fix for a for a long-term problem. I don't think it's I mean, I think a lot, a lot of people would agree, but it's just not a good way. It's not a, it's not a beneficial way to cope with things. It, it's, again, a quick fix. And grief is not something that can be fixed ever, let alone in a quick manner. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important to emphasize that when we say do whatever works for you, we're talking about healthy coping skills, um, healthy coping mechanisms like a comfort movie, something that makes you feel comfortable, something that makes you feel better, for lack of a Mm -hmm. better term, not something that's going to make you forget, because you're not going to forget. It's not something that you should want to forget. As painful as it is, it's not something that you should work, like, really hard to, like, just, like, I want to repress this, like, uh, get rid of it. Right, right, right. And, I mean, sometimes they kind of do that, like, subconsciously, too, without even acknowledging it, but but yeah, it's all about doing what you need to do. Put on some sad music if you need to cry. It's all good. Put on some sweatpants. Listen to some Sarah McLaughlin. Cry into a teddy bear in the arms of an angel. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cuddle with your pet if you need to cuddle with your pet all day. Like and that all doing what works. Take a day off of work if you need a day off of work. Take it off if you didn't need a day off of school. Take a day off of school if you need to isolate for twenty four hours. Then fucking isolate. It's all good. The important part is you know picking yourself up after a certain amount of time, um, and that's where you can kind of evaluate for yourself when that becomes a concerning behavior for you. But sometimes you need a day off. Sometimes you need a mental health break, and it's all good. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. I think a good way to keep yourself in check, at least in the like initial stages where you're still not really sure, tell a friend, be like, hey, I'm about to do this. Like, I just need to be away from everybody for 24 hours. You know, if you don't hear from me after 24 hours, can you please just check in? 
Um, yeah, that's a good somebody idea. to hold you accountable somebody that you really trust obviously because it sounds like it's a slippery slope and it, and it can be like I'm not telling you it's, it's not a slippery slope ever so having somebody that you really trust to kind of keep you in check a little bit at least initially when while you're figuring out what exactly works for you it could be beneficial I never did that but I thinking of it now I think that could have been something that might have helped me when I was in college but who knows because <laughs> I didn't do it all right, let's get into this last right. bit of um, our last tidbit. Yeah, yeah. It definitely will not feel like it at first. It may not even feel like it for the next couple of years. You will survive. You will survive. And an attempt to not get too sappy. Look, this is a really fucking hard thing to go through. Losing somebody you love, whether it be sudden or to a to an illness or However, it's a really fucking hard thing to go through, especially when you're doing it at a young age, when you're trying to figure out all these other things and, you know, puberty and shit. It feels like you're going to die. It feels like you're dying. It feels like your whole world is crashing down on you. And it feels like you won't survive, but you will survive. And we are both here after our respective eight and 11 years to tell you that we have survived. We have been able to not move on, but move forward. And it might take you a little bit to get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm thriving now, but you will get there and you will be mm-hmm. okay at some point. Whatever okay means, you will be it. Yeah. And I think it's important to also, in those moments that you are feeling really down and defeated and just alone, to do some self-reflection in those moments of think back to those times where you were feeling good. Think back to those times where you were feeling happy because you will feel that way again. This is just a temporary thing that you're feeling in this moment and it will pass. You know, it might come again, but it'll pass and you'll feel good again and you'll feel different emotions and that's okay. In, in these moments is when you do a lot of reflecting. You learn about yourself. There is a lot of personal growth and with that that makes you a stronger person. That makes you a better version of you because you're learning that you can handle something. You can get through the most difficult time in your life and you will be okay. Even if you're not right now, even if you weren't yesterday, you might not be tomorrow, but you will get there and that's all right. It's okay. Everyone's journey is different. Everyone's journey comes with different bumps along the way as well. So you'll get there you'll get through it. Yeah. And you and your feelings and your emotions, they're all valid. It's so valid. It's insane. It's like the most valid thing in the world. <laughs> it's, it's just, so valid. It's so valid. Like it's <laughs> the most valid ever. All jokes aside, yeah, you're going to feel a lot of things and not all of them are going to be fun. In fact, most of them are going to be not fun, but it's a valid feeling. It is a valid emotion. And like all the other emotions, it, it will pass and you will get to a point, even if it's temporary, you'll be at peace. Again, whatever that means. And as you move forward in this scribble of grief and you, you know, <laughs> keep moving on and you continue to live your life, without that person, you will learn new ways to cope with what you're going through. And you will learn new ways to uh, encounter that these are like really awful negative emotions. And that's really what grief is. And as you do that, the 
these emotions and these feelings and these thoughts, they hold a little bit less weight as you learn how to deal with them and as you learn how to, how to confront them and um, approach them. And mm-hmm. you'll survive. You'll survive. We survived. I didn't think I was going to survive. I honestly think I almost didn't survive, but I, I did. Mm-hmm. And Sam did. And you will, will too. too. So we hope that this was at least remotely helpful for somebody, a new griever, if you will. Welcome to the club. It really fucking sucks. But we're here for you. And of all the clubs I have ever been a part of, this is by far the most welcoming and supportive club. I was was really wondering what you were going to say. (laughs) It's not the most fun club. It It is is not fun. It's the shittiest club, but it is the most welcoming and supportive Supportive, yeah. Consider us your liaisons into the club. Welcome to this crap club. (laughs) We hope that we can help at least offer some insight as Mm -hmm. to what what the future might look like after you experience that loss and we want to hear if anybody else has any different ones that they that maybe we haven't mentioned that they think is something that's important to to tell someone who might experience a close loss that especially at a younger age so if you do let us know so thank you for listening to our fifth episode Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, that's the Grief Brief.